basically what happens in it is like they they get they get trapped in a musical and so the songs are like help I'm I'm stuck in a musical and can't get out of it and it's funny. Make it stop. Hmm. It's pretty great. We should add that too. That's fun. It's probably list. it should be one film one hundred and one. Honestly, <laughs> I think that one belongs at this point. Um, what was that rattling noise? I think it's when I adjust the microphone. Well, maybe you should don't adjust, adjust the yourself. Yeah, but I already did. Well, can you undo it? No. Why would I undo it? She can undo the noise. I couldn't tell if that was. A real question or not? I see now it was most likely a joke. What? Carry on. <laughs> why do you think I? Why do you think I joke about something? Don't so take advantage like of me. <laughs> Humor isn't real. Gosh. Uh, anyway, uh, hey, welcome to the movie. Are Overload we recording? Podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good because now we have extra content. What's, Substance. Yeah, what's the audio <laughs> word for footage? Um, data. Uh, handage. We have extra it's all data. <laughs> we have extra audio in oh, the wait, wait, digital wait, wait, world of wait. the 21st century. What? Wait. I didn't get to do my intro. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Movie Overload podcast, where we will be covering 100 essential films from A Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between, except for Woody Allen. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. No one wants him, <laughs> except for. I, no, I'm not gonna go it. I'm, we're not gonna go into it. We Buzz. don't have to talk about Buzz Woody and Allen. Woody. Bu- oh yeah, Buzz. Oh? Buzz. Do you think Buzz Aldrin enjoys a Woody Allen? Film? Probably. I think they're like obligated to like each other. Mm. Yeah. Everyone named Buzz. Well, wait. And everyone named Woody. What if there yeah. was somebody named? Um, wait. Wh- who? What would it be? Buzz. Um. Wait. So so it's weird because, you know, the the pairing obviously is Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, right? But Woody Allen is Woody and Allen. So do we need somebody who's like Whoa. Buzz and, like Hanks? Buzz oh Hanks? My. Does Buzz Hanks oh exist? My. He's probably out there. He probably I'm Buzz Hanks. So yes. If you're listening to this, come find us, please. <laughs> we'll get both. tweet us. We'll get both Buzz Hanks and Woody Allen on the podcast, and we will squish them together until only uh, Woody and Buzz, the characters from Toy Story, yes. exist, and that, that's how we get rid of Woody Allen. Yay! Oh, I love it. The master plan. Will that work? Science. Delete Woody Allen. Scientific. <laughs> Delete us. So anyway. Um, you know what is great. Uh, my... My boyfriend Woody, uh, my boyfriend. Hey, my my boyfriend Woody from Toy Story. No, hecked up. <laughs> what? Teen Beach Movie Two. Right. Oh, I haven't Gasp. even seen that one. I actually think I watched it and it erased from my memory. Like I cannot remember anything from that movie. <laughs> that I can't remember essential film number one hundred and two. <laughs> it's essential because it's <laughs> impossible to remember. <laughs> exactly. You have to watch it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess on on the topic of things that are uh, incredible, um, the Incredibles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whoa. And and speaking Elastigirl. of the Incredibles, Elastigirl. And speaking of Elastigirl, um, <laughs> can we bring it around? Detective? Around. Uh, her, you know that that bit in the Incredibles where she's like, 
on that island and she's trying to like, she's like find stuff and, and she's spying. all sleuthy. And speaking of sleuthy things, um, James Bond. And speaking of James Bond, <laughs> British movies. And speaking of British movies. Um, with some sleuthiness. With some sleuthiness. Uh, Austin Powers. Wait, oh, no. Crap. Wait. I think I did You're this close. wrong. Where You're are we close. going? Um, I don't know. A man. Is there a man there? The first man? It's debatable. Second man? There are two men. And maybe there's a third one. What about but the we third don't. man? We don't know about the third man. We don't know. We're not even sure there was a third man. We don't. I mean, wasn't no. there? I guess we could talk about that. There, there was. That was a movie reference. Was there? Oh. Okay, let's talk about so it. So it was a subtle <laughs> reference to the film The Third Man. Okay, um, so it's it's abstract time. It's I believe, abstract at this time. Point. That was good. I needed that. The cue. Mm, yeah. The cue. Okay, ready? The Third Man is a 1949 British film noir directed by Carol Reed, who is a man, written by Graham Greene and starring Joseph Cotton, Alita Valley, Orson Welles, and Trevor Howard, set in post-war Vienna. Uh, wow, that kind of tied it into my plot summary. Oops. <laughs> okay, I'll just do the whole thing. <laughs> You guys get a bonus combination. Hey, we were going to get there anyway. Right. Hooray. Yay. Set in post-war Vienna, the film centers on American Holly Martins, who arrives in the city to accept a job with his friend Harry Lime, only to learn that Lime has died. Viewing his death as suspicious, Martins elects to stay in Vienna and investigate the matter. The atmospheric use of black and white expressionist cinematography with harsh lighting and distorted Dutch angle camera technique is a major feature of The Third Man. Combined with the iconic theme music, CD locations, and acclaimed performances from the cast, the style evokes the atmosphere of an exhausted, cynical post-war Vienna at the start of the Cold War. Hell yeah. Okay, my biggest question that I've derived from that is, do you think it was intentional to make the main character a male named Holly because the director's name is Carol. And so they both have to deal oh. with the, the pain, apparently <laughs> the 1940s pain. I assume that men with female names would experience Carol, poor Carol. Um, I don't know because it, so Graham green was the writer and green wrote a novella in preparation mm. to write the screenplay. And in the novella, Holly's first name is Rollo. Rollo? Hmm. It's R-O-L-L-O. Yeah. And then they changed huh. it for the film. So it probably was because Carol's like, no, so, somebody else yeah. needs to experience my <laughs> my pain. I, I was like confused sometimes because like with all their accents, I was confused sometimes. Like I thought I heard Holly. And then sometimes I was like, oh, maybe it's like Harley. Mm. It says Holly like, here. No, it's Holly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, man, I love how many accents are in that film. Okay, that's the thing that really gets me about, like, a lot of the films we've covered so far yeah. is, like, the use of, like, multiple different languages within yeah. one film oh, is something totally that we don't see that much anymore. Yeah, it yeah. totally just is kind of, yeah, the same thing as, like, with Casablanca or something where it's just, it takes place in this sort of international, like, mixing place. So you just get a bunch of people from different places, and it's great. And it's, you don't always need to know everything that they're saying. Hmm. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, there's a you lot. You don't of, need subtitles. Like, yeah, just like Austrian like officers. And they just Magic. And citizens. And they just talk and they just don't translate any of it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like you said. There are French, Russian, 
Austrian, um, British, American, Romanian, all the peoples yeah. of, of of white Europe. Yeah, but you know, still, it it's is interesting. Pretty fun. I had a great time. I really like the intro to the film. Mm. Like it's just so like the good. the the uh, voiceover at the beginning is it just cutting through and it's like explaining the setting of of Vienna and everything. It's just literally that opened and I'm like, "Oh, okay. I think I'm going to like this." And it just entirely 100% captured my attention the entire rest of the way. When you think you're going to like a thing and then you do, it's pretty crazy. Um, they initially, so they re- like released it all throughout Europe when they released the movie, and then they also released it in America, but they cut that whole voiceover hmm. at the beginning, and like 11 Sad. minutes of footage total was cut, and they replaced it with a shorter narration from the guy who played Holly, hmm. because they were like, no, Americans aren't going to appreciate the seedy tones of whatever this is, and so they like... I think essentially dumbed it down. That's so dumb. For America. <laughs> but then they recovered it and restored it. And That's, now yeah, uh, nice. I think they said Criterion has both versions. So, so people can compare intros. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. interesting. I want to see. Inoffensive. A more remastered fixed up version than the one that yeah. I saw on the streaming service. I it used. was not good. No. Yeah. They re-released like the fully restored version in 2015. Okay, so that's it's. We probably have the old version. Is there yeah, like a physical recent. Criterion release? I'm not sure actually. I hope there is. I I feel like I vaguely remember there being something. We are in the midst of a uh, there is Criterion sale. A sale. So I'm I might just like do that while we're talking because it's out of print on the Criterion. It's website. an oop. Oh. On the website, yeah. Ding nabbit. What do I do then? <laughs> they at least had a Blu-ray of it. And it's out of print? Yeah. Spine 64. Uh, ooh, that's nice. I just assumed it wasn't wasn't on there for some reason. Anyway. Fine. Well, anyway. yeah. The conclusion is that it's really good looking, but if you watch it and it's not the Criterion Edition, it's going to look a little like rough i guess i agree probably but also please watch it before you listen to a plot summary of this because it is one of those kinds of movies that you would easily be spoiled on and it's totally worth going in mostly blind that's my thought it's another one of those that's like feels pretty plot heavy yes Um, i was gonna say and how much well i don't want to completely spoil it maybe later Yes. You can spoil we got it. it. We got but it. But like, yeah, because mm, I got I to gotta talk about it soon, though, because mm-hmm. I got to talk. I got to tell you about the book. Yeah. OK, well, let's just let's just let's just spoil it. But people who haven't seen it and have any desire to be wowed by honestly one of the best movies we've watched yes. yet, <laughs> then please Turn it off. Turn this off. And like come a back light later. switch. Mm-hmm. Just go, wow, it's just, yes. It's very watchable. Like, it's it's under two hours. It's fun. It's a good time. I feel like it's like, like some of the movies we've gone through are like good, but also like a little bit hard to, harder to get Push through. Push through, yeah. This one's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. If you like just a so fun good. little noir 
like story. Honestly, it's I would have cool. been fine if it was like an hour longer, even like yeah. It's just everything about it worked. I was like, I just want more of this, please. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like something that Edgar Wright really likes. Mm. Something that Ryan Johnson really likes. Yes, it just has some, the like definitely things that show up in Ryan Johnson stuff that is here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he watched this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it also feels influenced by Citizen Kane in some of the shots. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's also another movie where I guess like now we're going to get into the plot, but it's a, it's the second movie we've covered on this podcast where Orson Welles plays a character that is dead yet. We still see them. This is true. <laughs> Orson Welles. Yes. Not to be creepy, but marry me, mm. Orson Welles. Me too. Me yes. too, actually. Yes. How about, we'll just be, we'll be, <sighs> welcome to the Movie Overload podcast, Orson Welles' harem. <laughs> <laughs> put that on a t-shirt and no, I will wear sorry. it. I don't, I can't even put my finger on it. I know. But I felt the same thing it's during Citizen Kane. a massive I was like, amount of charisma. Yes. yes. And I'm like, oh. you are, mm. It's, he's not even like physically attractive to me, but he's no. just like so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, no, I like, aspire to be that. And interesting. His voice is so good. Uh, yeah. Like he, it's his voice is everything yeah. Kelsey Grammer wants. <laughs> yes, to be. He only really like has one scene where he's like actually like speaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's but he's so just, good. It's everything. And the scene it where he's not speaking is one of the most iconic scenes in film it's history. True. Like I instantly like I was like, oh my gosh, I've seen that scene mm-hmm. so many times in my life. I never connected the dots that yeah. it would be from here. But like it did evoke like, I'm sorry, you were about no, to say No, you something. are good. Please keep going. The only thing I was just going to say is like once he started, like once he came on and like started, you know, talking and having that scene. Oh, is this, oh it's finally started to snow. Um, no. It almost was just like right out, right out of like Citizen Kane again. Yeah. Because it just was like, oh, that dialogue style return. Just the way that he's like, you know obviously being charismatic and speaking and speaking over his, you know, dialogue partner and like, in but like in a natural way, that's still easy to parse. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It just felt like, yep. It's an Orson Welles scene. So good. And Delicious. I love it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Hannah, please For some it. reason, when I watch old movies, cause I keep making comments about this on the podcast, I'm like, Oh, how would we make this today? Mm-hmm. Like with our current, abilities or how would we cast it and so like orson welles for some reason i just want to see leonardo dicaprio oh yeah whatever but i was like no flip that i don't want to see leo dicaprio touch orson welles work i want to see orson welles like play the great gatsby oh, oh man that like, would have been so good oh my god dang it yeah like it Ow. sucks that like for such a talented so cool person like we really got relatively little work from him I feel like I need to read uh, that true? About him. Wait, no, that's probably not true. Actually, he has he's a made few. quite a few acting at least. He, he has quite a few movies. I, I mean, just said a thing that I had no basis. He for doesn't saying. have well, like think, a Kurosawa level of movies. Yeah, or you he, hear about Humphrey Bogart way more than you'll ever hear about Orson Welles in yeah, my world probably. of film, at least. Uh, but you know he's done what Magnificent Amersons. Um, yeah, never mind. He acted the shit out of things. He, he definitely don't appeared talk in a lot. He has 185 credits. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. But wow. I don't hear people talk about him. But he also did like radio and he did all these yeah. other things, you know? And the just the his version of The War of the Worlds is one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known radio production of all time, mostly because of 
you know, people thinking that the world was over, or at least reported <laughs> right. it right. being reported that people thought the world was over. Um, but yeah, like there's Dark times. there's there's a lot I think still to, that we have not even like scratched the surface for, surface of to explore within Orson Welles's work. Um, yes. Not to mention all the books and documentaries and mm-hmm. such to really dig in. Um, but you know. Can we just label him as podcast daddy at this point? Just like, <laughs> yes. just make it official. I, 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 I wrote down a few uh, notes on this weird little piece of paper. Pod daddy. Uh, one of them just says Orson Welles is God. <laughs> I, I, was, yes. I was also considering the term uh, movie Jesus. Movie Jesus. He that works as well, actually. No, that's true, though. Orson is Lord. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sister of the pod is passing by it. With much confusion. <laughs> Podcast daddy slash God slash Capture Jesus. that visual. <laughs> yep. Um, do you guys want to hear about the book? Um, yes. Hell yeah. Okay, here we go. Just kidding. No, I don't. Fine. Get out. Because we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, so before writing the screenplay at all, Graham Greene worked out the atmosphere, characterization, and mood of the story by writing a novella. He wrote it as a source text for the screenplay and never intended for it to be read by the public. And uh, they still published it hmm. later, though. Huh. So now I kind of want to read it. as well. Sounds like a bad novelette. Yes. Fun stuff. Is, isn't that a line from the movie? Did I get, did I get uh, that right? Um, a bad novelette. Probably, yeah. But, I can't yeah, even remember. Something like that. The narrator in the novella is Major Calloway. Which gives the book huh. a different emphasis. Yeah, that's really interesting. Hmm. A small portion of his narration does appear in the modified form at the film's beginning in Carol Reed's voiceover. Hmm. I never knew the old Vienna. Old Vienna. Wow, is the quote. Um, other differences include their nationalities. Martin's and Lime's were both English in the book. Martin's given name is Rollo rather than Holly, and Popescu. Popescu. Did I say that right? I mean, I'm pretty sure you didn't, but I can't remember how to I say didn't it. either. I, I cannot remember. <laughs> yeah. I can't keep it all straight. That can't character uh, was an American named Cooler. Hmm. So no, thanks. they made it a little bit more diverse, I mm. guess. That's cool. Yeah. Big I, fan. Yes. And then this was the interesting thing about the book. Um, there's a huge difference in the ending. Spoiler alert, the novella implies that Anna and Martins are about to begin a new life together in stark contrast to the unmistakable... Can't believe I got a How fucking phone call. How dare you be so popular? <laughs> it's a <laughs> scam likely. Scam likely oh did that gosh. to me. It's so obnoxious because like my iPad volume, when we start the podcast, I turn all the way to the like to the bottom, but like the That's ringer so still is on and I can't figure turn, out how to turn, turn it off. Turn it off like a light switch. Just go click. Uh-huh. But it was funny there for like, because for a while, like we would be at work and you would just be like getting phone calls from like random family members. Totally. Like, why is this happening? They know I'm at work. <laughs> why am I being <laughs> called? There we go. Anyway. All right. Where was I? Sorry. Sorry, All guys. Good. Sorry, pod friends. <laughs> Sorry, pod daddy. Anyway, pod daddy's <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> pod daddy's looking down from heaven and he's mad at us. <laughs> Sorry. Nah. Carry on. Okay. The novella implies Anna and Martins are about to begin a new life together in stark contrast to the unmistakable snub by Anna that closes the film. I love that. It was, fun. It was good. Oh. In the book, Anna does walk away from Lime's grave, but the text says, 
I watched him striding off on his overgrown legs after the girl. He caught her up and they walked side by side. I don't think he said a word to her. It was like the end of a story, except that before they turned out of my sight, her hand was through his arm, which is how a story usually begins. He was a very bad shot and a very bad judge of character, but he had a way with westerns, a trick of tension, and with girls. I wouldn't know what. And that's how it ends. Well, it's still written sort of charmingly, I so I can kind of forget it. Mm-hmm. read that novella. <laughs> Although, <laughs> yeah, okay, that was the thing. As the movie was drawing to a conclusion, my first thought was like, if only there, like, if Anna had more agency, I think I would really like yeah, this movie. She's and really close. And then she close. just snubs him, and then I'm I like, know. yeah, and then there's <gasps> that. So it's like, oh, ho, ho. thanks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it says during filming, the final scene was like the biggest dispute between Green and mm. Reed. Uh, and they just said Carol Reed like refused to end the film because he said it was an artificially happy <laughs> note. Mm. Nice. And I guess it was a huge fight. Um, Which is very noiry of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. The and way of that they course, ended up doing it. Right. And of course I ended up with Reed's take and then later Green agreed saying that was the right way to go yeah. as far as the movie. Yeah. I think it fits just because, I mean, I think that's kind of a genre convention at this point. It just is. Just being like making the choice to like, do the right thing even though it costs you your this like weird old friendship and maybe any shot at a girl who was in love with your dead friend uh but yeah yeah like it happens it happens it's weird. dead friend there's stuff that seems to imply that maybe he's kind of interested in her i didn't feel like she was ever even remotely interested in him i definitely <laughs> yeah. especially because she was him, still though. like mourning harry yeah. yeah it just felt kind of gross on holly's part really yeah, yeah agreed and like it wasn't a lot and but, she like, was, it was like just like a look or something clearly sided with right harry line. yeah totally so like it was very weird the whole time and I'm yeah I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did mm-hmm. because otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't have made sense it would have felt very forced I agree yeah I agree Carol I think in in a sense I it feels much more like creative and free than for example like the Maltese Falcon does yeah. the Maltese Falcon does feel like in comparison like it's a bit more on rails even though it's mm-hmm. one of the earlier examples of like big budget film noir it feels. I guess in comparison, so conventionally Hollywood, um, or yeah. I guess what is now conventionally Hollywood, right. that like when I think about the two, even though they have like very, very, very similar plot lines and a lot in common, um, there's like more of a spark with the third man, which is something yeah. that I feel like I was sort of vaguely missing with the Maltese Falcon. I, like I, I really agree, liked yeah. it, but yeah, the Maltese Falcon, like both times that I've seen it was like, it's fine. It's fun. But like, it didn't feel like special. Mm-hmm. Like it mostly stood out to me. This felt like it stood out a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This felt like it just felt more advanced, maybe even like slightly more modern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. But that's the thing that's cool about film noir is that you can watch them like a billion times. They're so rewatchable. And the more you watch them, the more you like them. Mm-hmm. Um, like any of the ones that Kurosawa has done that's like kind of mm-hmm. neo-noir or somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Um, those are the ones that like I find myself rewatching and having a much better time with every nice. time. So like Stray Dog. So good. So good. So. So good. <laughs> I got a you. Nice. So anyway, copyright <laughs> Yeah, oops. I'm kidding. sorry, podcast. That's not how that works. Anyway, um, there was also a guy named David O. Selznick. Yeah, that oh, yeah. guy. He's kind of actually the 
basically he rules the podcast list at this the, the movie list at yeah. this point because he did a star is born gone with the wind um king kong oh yeah hmm. all the things mm-hmm. well he according to himself it says uh his main contribution was providing his actors cotton and wells and to have produced the u.s version of the hmm. movie um, less than co-writing the script with Reed and Green. But mm. he did have some say. Like, I think he was kind of also involved in the big dispute over the ending, and he sided with Reed mm. for nice. everything. Good so, for him. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was also there. Good job, wow. David. Man, that guy has just done so much. I think he also did Rebecca. The, Rebecca. Uh, isn't it the Hitchcock movie? Mm-hmm. The 40s. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. not watched that one yet. Mm-hmm. So, man, he, he's just got like everything under his belt i feel like doing a bio of selznick is something that i should have done early on just That's so true. we had the context for the later episodes it's not too late it's not too late uh, maybe i'll do that if there's another movie on the list which has him there in it go. and there probably will be probably i was gonna say that would right. be interesting to apply it to everything exactly. we've watched with him we'll look at uh, next week what are we doing next week i forgot uh i don't know you're doing uh, it uh yeah Haha. I forget. Carry on. I'm going to look though. Okay. I want to see. I can't believe I forgot. I'm <laughs> um, going to look at it and be like, oh yeah, duh, I've said that like five million times. Carol Reed was also called Sir. Sir Carol Reed. Oh. Yeah. He, he got a knighthood. Yes. Like if you Wikipedia huh. him, the Wikipeds, it's Sir Carol Reed. Is he, is so he CBE, OBE? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know which one's, which one's better. Right, but like he was just a war person. He's a war dude. Wow, good for him. I guess is that something we're supposed to celebrate? I don't know. Sure. All right, good um, for him. He also got nominated for several Academy Awards, and he won Best Director for Oliver, which I have seen oh. a couple of times. Wow, I didn't. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, that wasn't until 1968, though. That's crazy. Yeah. So, 20 years later. Damn. Yeah. An odd man out. Anyway, he he's in, he was he was a dude. His father was an actor producer and mm. his mother was the mistress. So, he he showed up oh. <laughs> on the scene and was like, "I'm gonna make movies too." Cool. And there he was. Nice. Good for him. Yeah. Looks like he did a lot. He did. Oscar a lot of good ones i do recognize some of these odd man out yeah that's a popular one Mm -hmm. cool flap yeah anyway yeah wikipedia just says sir it does not talk about him being knighted does not say yeah that's what i was looking for but i actually self-appointed Huh. He's, like, he's just like, you will call me sir. And they're like, why? And he's like, because I want to. Because I hate <laughs> Carol. <laughs> yes. He's he's bitter about that name, I bet. <laughs> I'm sure they don't anyway. care about those <laughs> Mr. Reed was my father, called me sir. 80 years ago. <laughs> sir. 70 years ago, as much as they would now. Carol. Yeah. It's like Carl, but Carol. Carl. Yes. Honestly, if I had a son, I would probably name them Carol or Holly. Honestly, I like sure. them as male names. <laughs> I just feel like in the 40s, they probably wouldn't have liked that. Because people were all like much more, I don't know, 
prone to feeling like they have to be like super hyper masculine, mm. right? Manly as heck. Is that a thing? I don't know. Or yes. did that did more macho y things start? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's always been oh, a no, thing. It's I think definitely... it's just a trend, you know? They've just kind of fallen out of fashion as boy names. So to do them now, because it's not common, that's why it would be weird. I guess so. That's fair. I don't Could know. Could be right. I don't mm. know. There's no real like universal laws of names. There it's are all just society. Exactly. I'm going to have a son and I'm going to name him Sally. You can do whatever the heck you Greta. want. Greta. Like <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> like hearing my name as a girl's name. Sarah. Now, yeah. Like, I never heard that before. But it's like cool. hearing it within the past few years, I'm like, that's awesome. It mm-hmm. kind of translates where like guys' it. names be used on girls better. Though. It does. I feel like it's a lot because easier. Because society is rigged. Yeah. I, I do think that I, I think it's a lot easier for girls' names to be like more interesting and cool mm-hmm. than guys' names most of the time. Yeah. I'm like, I'll name my daughter George know. and my son Stephanie. Beautiful. Yeah. Please mm-hmm. do. Hey, I support uh, that. That works. Also, my name is Hannah and it is boring. No, it's not. <sighs> no. I feel like we got some decent names. You guys got some decent names. It's just that they all start with H's and it makes right. it confusing. <laughs> Even though I've known you guys for like the majority of my life. I want to be point? different. Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> How old are you? No, no, uh, let's see. I'm 19. I've known you for like almost nine years. Almost nine years. So yeah, so pretty close, much. Yeah. Pretty much half my life. Yeah. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to hear uh, my rant about Orson Welles? Oh uh, yeah, please, please. Because that's what I mostly Orson Welles rant part two. <laughs> yeah, actual facts. Um, mm-hmm. so through like years and years and years after the movie came out, there was this huge speculation that Orson Welles instead of Reed was actually the director. Like people were making theories about it. Um, But I guess it was just a popular misconception because of the style of the movie Mm -hmm. and then similar themes with Citizen Kane. Mm -hmm. But in the final analysis of discovering Orson Welles, a book about Orson Welles that I really need to read now, uh, he just talks about, Orson Welles didn't direct anything in the picture. Um, the basics of his shooting and editing style, the music and meaning are plainly absent, yet old myths die hard and some viewers persist in believing otherwise. And they just go on to say that it was Carol's picture, but it was so heavily inspired and influenced by Styles and Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. People are like, no, Orson Welles secretly directed it. <laughs> and they're like, no, he didn't. Mm. If Orson Welles did it, like... I love this movie, but if Orson Welles did it, it would be 10 times better. Exactly. <laughs> so like, you would know. <laughs> yeah. I think he just also hinted at interviews that said like Orson Welles would make comments about like the special contributions he had mm. to the film. So mm-hmm. people were like, what does that mean? Because he was always kind of vague right. about it and wouldn't delve into it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Interesting. He, well, I can just roll right into that too. Uh, the speech. Basically, his only scene. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about that. It's so good. Let's talk about that for a minute. Please. What stood out to you guys? The scenery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did any lines stick out to you? I feel like yes, but I didn't take enough note. I mean, there was the bit where he was talking about like he could just oh, all, the one with the dots. Yeah. Yes. Basically, yeah. That was what I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. Also. I don't have the line like 
burned into my skull, oh, but good. I vaguely remembered the dots line. I loved the dots line and then how it ended, like mm. those last few mm-hmm. when they're like, he's walking away. I don't know. It's all so good. Uh, he's magical. But anyway, so in the scene where they're on the Ferris wheel, uh, Lime compares the people below to dots and says it would be insignificant if one of them or a few of them stopped moving forever. Back on the ground, he says, you know what the fellow said in Italy for 30 years under the Borgias, I don't know. Bourgeoisie. Bourgeois. Bourgeois. Is that what it is? Oh, thank you. They had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo 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 clock. Yeah. Yeah. So he added that. Oh, really? Orson Welles added that last line. Damn. And they're saying that he didn't take credit for it because it it was inspired by a play or something they're Mm. actually not quite sure what it was inspired from but i guess they were filming and it just made sense that he needed to to like keep going gotcha to finish out i don't know if it was just movement or timing or what but they're like yeah it's like he needed like one more line (laughs) so he added that in and that's why he says you know what the fellow said blah 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 Mm. like he's referencing something he had read so in the published script, they added it as a footnote. Nice. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, I, I love that line, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really liked yeah a lot of his very like villainous lines like that. The, mm-hmm. Both of those things that we're talking about there. Because like, I feel like I've kind of heard that kind of characterization in other villains, like mm-hmm. in more modern stuff. I wouldn't be able to say where right now, but it feels familiar, but like in a good way. And it's cool just seeing that here and being like, you know, it's fun to have a character like that where it's like, oh, he's he's my old friend. He's a guy, but also, and you know, he's really charming and kind of cool, but also he's really soulless and bad. Oh, Despero <laughs> in the Psych series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carrie Elway's character. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know that's not nearly as good of an example, but. It is what came to mind. It works. Also, just the fact that he like whipped this line out and was like, oh, this will fit my character. I'm going to start saying this in our shots. And they were like, Like okay. (laughs) You know, what a guy. Just uh, well educated. Mm -hmm. Said, uh, actually, I did make a note. Uh, Orson Welles later said the phrase was from or inspired by an old Hungarian play. He did not name it. Mm. Hmm. So that was interesting. Mm hmm. It's just yeah. such a good line, too. I was like, oh. Yeah, now that you've like repeated, I think it'll just kind of stick with me forever. It's yeah. really good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, yeah, wanted mm-hmm. to write it oh, down. Okay. Uh, speaking of now that we talked about that, did they or did they not actually shoot that on a moving Ferris wheel car? There was not a know? note about that. I'm going to look <laughs> it up right now, though. I, I, I don't know what to think because it looked very convincing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was I liked a lot of the scenery in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that just went through, and I'm like, I feel like I haven't really seen like locations like this in the movies we've watched. Like a lot of them are like again Maltese Falcon, very normal locations, very much. They're sets. in buildings yeah. and sets, and this one's like here's this like partially destroyed architecture and here's like some sewers and here's this ferris wheel yeah heck yeah well i think that's a lot of what i was saying about like this feeling like it has some character and you know like it it feels like if it isn't i would be so surprised yeah it feels like it's shot on location yeah most of it's not all these sets you know mostly shot on location i just uh 
double check the Ferris wheel. Okay. They did film it on the Ferris wheel. Awesome. That's the real one. That's awesome. Um, I didn't mean to talk about that because they did almost everything on location. Okay. That's what it feels like. And things that weren't on location, they had like done a ton of photography throughout like all of Vienna hmm. to build different like okay. backgrounds or things for nice. sets that they needed. They also had a double for Orson Welles' little snippets hmm. of scenes or like when he's running away or something. I don't know. But as soon as he was on set when they actually needed him, he was like, um, I'm going to stay here in Vienna on set with you guys till you're done. Nice. And so he stayed throughout the rest of the process. That's cool. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Like it makes sense if some of like the indoor scenes are sets. But yeah, like all the outdoor stuff. Everything Vienna was real. real like, I think. I'd be like, I would be shocked if this was a set. Yeah, it's good to know, and that it's, it's really not. interesting to see like what Vienna looked like at this time yeah, because mm -hmm. this year I have watched Before Sunrise four times, which is set <laughs> in Vienna, and it's shot on location in Vienna. It's so pretty, as they basically just explore the whole city, and so I've, it's I have what Vienna looks like plastered into my brain from watching that movie so many times, and seeing what it looked like right after the war is is yeah, really interesting. Yeah, and oh man, what kind of compact setup did they have? I don't know, assuming there yeah. was a lot to like fit it in that freaking Ferris wheel. Right. Car. Yeah. <laughs> well, cameras at this point were right. so different. I think they it. did have small ones and then yeah. some bigger. No, that makes sense. I guess I didn't ones. know if there would be anything else involved, like audio stuff. Were they still like hand cranking at this point? Well, no, because I, I, I we talked about so. with, with The Great Dictator, like they. Was it oh. with The Great Dictator? Which one was the oh. one where they actually invented something that actually turns the handle? I remember. don't think it's we went hand through... cranking anymore. Okay, I feel like we probably. But yeah, I can't remember which. But movie it still that has was. to crank, so right. there's still something else cranking it, I guess. So. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, I don't know either how they did that, <laughs> but it does say it was filmed on the Ferris wheel. So, cool. um, what did yeah, you think of the music? It was interesting. It stood out to me pretty quickly. Yeah, like just with what's the instrument that they used the the most? Zither. I saw what it is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, like it stood out because I was just like, this is not the sound that I would have expected. Yeah. But it works. Same. It's really, really cool. It's probably yeah. the most unique uh, score we've covered so far. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like it was, yeah, it was so different. Um, so all the music was composed and performed on the Zither by Anton Karras. Before the production came to Vienna, Karras was an unknown performer in local Heeriger's don't know where mm -hmm. that is. That's fine. Um, but <laughs> but uh, Carol Reed had made up his mind already to avoid schmaltzy, heavily orchestrated waltzes. Mm -hmm. And he was in Vienna one night and he was in this like, I'm guessing at a restaurant or something in a wine garden. Um, and there was just a zitherist and it was Anton. And he was like, oh my gosh, you're so good. Wow. Score my entire movie. Please score my movie. That's exactly how it went down. So even... Uh, one of the producers said, like, they met completely by coincidence. Reed went up to him and initiated everything. Um, Reed brought Karis back to London with him, where the musician worked with Reed on the score for six weeks. Karis stayed at Reed's house during the entire time. Hmm. And critics said, has there ever been a film where the music more perfectly suits the action um, than in Carol Reed's The Third Man? And just said it was so appropriate for post-World War II Vienna. Hmm. Like, it was historically, culturally accurate. Nice. That is rad. Can you imagine? A hey, will you uh, will you leave your wine garden and score my movie for six weeks? I'll let you live at my house. <laughs> oh. I don't know, sir. Let me think about that. Yes, I sleep, will. You can sleep uh. on my couch. You can sleep on my couch, and you can bring your zither. 
<laughs> Please bring your zither. Zithers are weird. I looked it up. It's like a guitar body hmm. with a guitar neck slapped on the body and like add 80 strings. Oh, oh. right. It's like a German Interesting. Greek guitar That's the, thing. It's the thing you kind of see at the, the beginning, right? The opening credits. Ba-ring. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think the there is one at the beginning. Like plucked. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. cool, Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool shots in this movie. There really are, and so many of them are like just the like dramatic angled shots. Yeah, right. They do. But then it's got some of those like very, very, very Orson Wellesy, Wellesian shots, like where he's sitting in the the theater, Mm. and it's like, and he he stands up to leave, but it's at this like dramatically low angle. Do you remember that shot? Yes. Like that one stood out as like okay. Was that shot actually in Citizen Kane? It looks like yeah. one of those ones because weren't you t- you talking about in your report one of those ones where they like dug out of the floor right. to be able to fit the yeah, camera yeah, low yeah, enough? Yeah, they put the camera in the floor. Yeah, right. That's what it like. That's kind of how yeah. how it felt. It, I don't know. Lots of things wrong with that. I Did guess. they have stuff about the Dutch angles? Uh, a, actually, not a whole that, lot, which was. It weird because they won the academy award for best cinematography Mm, but then in like a lot of the research they didn't talk about it a whole lot but it stood out to me yeah just the weird angles of Mm -hmm. like here's a conversation or a person standing but we're gonna hold the camera like half Mm -hmm. sideways (laughs) i I tried to like kind of notice like halfway through if they were doing it during any specific kind of situation and it seemed like maybe there were they were doing it in moments where there was maybe a little bit more stress or tension yeah I don't know about the first part. I forget. Uh, this thing just says the third man makes extensive use of Dutch angle shots to emphasize the main character's alienation in yeah. a foreign environment. Um, Carol Reed said that William Wyler gave him a spirit level after seeing the film to sardonically encourage him to use more traditional shooting <laughs> angles. <laughs> so nice. Wyler, he finds his way into so many reports. There this he morning. is. Yep. And there's other stuff too, like. People walk in and out of just like pure darkness mm-hmm. several times mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, and it's cool. And that like I don't know how that works. Well, but also it's just has like black, and they're just like, whew. yeah, such a cooler effect because it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or I think so. Like yeah, no, think the so. pitch so blackness. He's standing in, well. yeah, in the doorway. Like mm-hmm. Lime is just chilling there, and I'm like, I don't know if it was in color. Yeah, it wouldn't be as cool because right now I'm just staring at a black abyss. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. I don't know. I this whole podcast has really kind of convinced me that it, I feel like in general there is some amount of freedom to using black and white cinematography mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like allows you to do cooler things depending on what you're trying to do. Right. That like I guess depending on the film, I kind of end up preferring it lately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's cool. Which is like interesting, it. but. I yeah. dig it. I mean, okay, so uh, one of the shots that stands out to me is just when he's, like, in the car and they're driving past the funeral and he just kind of, like, f- focuses, like, head track on Anna yeah. as they're driving by. Right. And, that, like, you know, you see that shot twice, so, like, obviously it kind of is supposed to, like, stick in your head. But it just so dramatically reminds me of um, a shot from uh, Mandy. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they do the same thing with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like the whoosh. she's like walking on the side of the road mm-hmm. and, and drive past her. Yeah, yep. And that's just like if that's a subtle reference that Panos <laughs> Cosmetos is doing in 2018. She's on the same side of the road, but they're uh-huh. like going in the opposite direction. Yeah, they're like approaching her and passing her. Right, but it's still a very similar she's shot. She's walking towards them, but 
Yeah, no, you're totally right. It is basically the same. I don't know. It's true. I'm I'm curious about that now. Maybe. I don't know. I still need to watch the like I want to watch the behind the scenes stuff. They probably wouldn't say all, something that specific, but probably maybe. not. No. <laughs> all the women were like so I don't know, beautiful and her hair was just effortless. Yes. Oh, thank times. you. I was just like, I can't even fathom that you're just looking like this right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Excuse me. Like you. she takes off the cap and she just, and it's yep. back Perfect. in the position perfectly, or she's like brushing it. It's just like, I was like, okay, that's like fine. No frizz. You and your 1940s magic. magic Blows hair. my mind. Magic hair. Yeah. Very it's fine. And um, also, man, Austrian accents are just so good. Ugh. So pretty. Mm-hmm. I could not find any info on the budget for this movie, by the way. Mm, that was weird. weird. Usually it's like right there and all the rest of the information, and I. Couldn't couldn't find it. Hmm. Yeah, like I honestly wouldn't even know enough to say if this would be like potentially a low budget or a high budget film. Like I mean, I assume I having Selznick attached and like having Orson Welles in it, it would have to have some budget. Um, but at the same time, shooting on location in the way that they did, you know, like I yeah, I feel like I could see them potentially doing it on the cheaper end i think so too like it wasn't too elaborate but Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe because if they were moving around a lot Mm -hmm. and the costumes were good and yeah man some of the clothing the diversity in like the way that films are made at this point in history is already like so notable because like when i'm thinking back like the last thing that we covered being it's a wonderful life yes it's just it's weird because these two films have nothing in common from a production standpoint. They don't look even slightly similar in the way that they're shot. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why it just seemed like maybe, I guess that's, that's just the perspective of watching movies in the 2020s. I guess it's like you have the perspective of the kind of films that you're used to being like, ah, we have all these different techniques and things are done all these different ways now. And you know, back then old movie is just like, a genre in your head right uh, and so it's been really it's been really <laughs> fun true. going back and realizing like wow like pretty much from the get-go films were so diverse and different and interesting and creative it yeah. didn't need to be developed into that you know mm-hmm. as an art That's form true. feels like it's just kind of always been that way mm-hmm. which is cool what is life um Ooh, life I is uh had Orson Welles. Ask me. I don't know if you've covered this, but I was just curious. This movie has a rating attached to it at the beginning. Oh. Oh right. Yeah. It says it's like for adult audiences. For or for the by the uh British film censors. Is that what it is? Like okay, yeah. cool. Cause I noticed I f- I forgot who it was from because I noticed later I was like, he's obviously like drinking in the one scene more. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a mostly nude woman, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what's yes. happening here? That what's actually, the mostly nude woman and those things were actually part of the 11 minutes uh, that were cut <laughs> for okay. like the U.S. release because it went against the code. That makes sense. Um, okay, but later they added it back. Okay, that makes sense. So the cool. British film censors were more lax. Got it. Yes, and I don't think ratings for movies were even around till right 1960s. Yeah, we were probably pretty slow on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because okay. we had the code in place, so it's like everything was so right. censored for everybody. Yeah, man, I hated hmm. that. Yeah, it was pretty it was dumb. Interesting. Haze code yeah. ruins everything. Because I started wondering, I was like, wait, 
Was this like an American movie? Like, I guess not. It was, it was not. not. Cool. Um, but speaking of releases, people loved it. Except for Austria. They were like, what? This is dumb. It just said Austrian <laughs> critics were like seriously underwhelmed. And it only ran in like Vienna and the rest of Austria for maybe a few weeks. It's because they hate Americans who write about cowboys. I was That's just fair. like, but it's like all placed in Vienna. I would think people would be like, oh, this is so cool. It's like all right here where I live. Nope. No. Nope. Maybe they just have their own films. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about these darn americans yeah so funny assholes yeah um but the grand gala world premiere was held in east sussex in september 1949 uh other critics everywhere loved it and then later way 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 later because obviously it aged well um in 1999 the british film institute voted the third man the greatest british film of all time 50 years later that's crazy. Yeah. And then they got nominations <sighs> for Best Cinematography, which they won. And then Carol Reed got nominated for Best Director and Best Film Editing to Oswald Hafenrichter. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. That, this movie really does feel just like hmm, diverse in weird ways. It's being like, it's a movie that's set in Vienna, starring mostly Americans <laughs> characters. True. A kind of interacting with local characters of different nationalities, and it's a the like it's British best movie. <laughs> yeah, it is weird that the <laughs> like, best wait, British what? movie of all time does not star a it's British not person. Notably yeah. British in yeah. most ways. Also, There's like one British guy. Yeah, and he reminds me of Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> um, it was also died. the most popular film at the box office. About somebody else. Sorry, I don't know nationalities. You good. Um, it was the most popular film at the British box office for all of 1949. Dang. So the British people loved it. I'm oh, yeah. glad it worked out for them. Because yeah. we've covered a lot of movies that are really good by today's standards that just did not receive any kind of acclaim at the time. So this I'm happy so that this came out and people were like, yes, this is good. Awesome. Also, maybe it's just because Orson Welles is attached and apparently Orson Welles ages well. He, and he also so well. sure had like you know there's just like a pattern of him releasing something and it actually getting the critical reception at the time for the most part that it t- has today you know yeah, what's up with that man like he really was a walking legend like everybody around him was like you are god and he was like maybe will you help me make my new movie and they're like no uh, no, want to see more like no everything you do will is you perfect help me but new movie? no i'm not going to I'm not going to fund your movie. Gross. I don't want to be a part of that. Gross. Disgusting. Son of a bitch. Stupid. They were too intimidated by his holiness. I his guess so. lawlessness. Yeah. I would be intimidated. I, same. I would. I would also love to act with him in a scene because I just feel like you would get better by standing in his presence. Honestly, probably. <laughs> I'd be so scared. Ugh. What is... Carson like, Wells be my dad. Seriously. That's, yeah. I Yes. 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 Um, that's actually pretty much all the notes I had on that. Like, there were no crazy stories. Hmm. The biggest drama was the fight about the ending. 
And I'm really glad it went the way it did. Me too. Because <laughs> that saves the movie. Because by the end, I was starting to feel like, ah, it's really good, but it it's hollow in the sense that, like, yeah, the Anna has no agency. And then she just does. And then there she it was. Walks past him. It's the best like, scene in that movie, nope. honestly. I love that bit. Where and he just stands there. He's just like, oh, all right. Yeah, like he doesn't even really react. He's just like, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. I <laughs> I also do love kind of the dark, creepy vibes. I know mm. that's just like film noir, but I just remember some of the shots being like, oh, that looks dark. In the sewer. Oh, oh my so gosh. Or when his like fingers cool. come that's through the grates. Say. Yeah. That looked really so cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, really that like. that bit reminded me of Blade Runner. Actually, there's a lot of this movie where I feel like Blade Runner was I would definitely say Blade Runner was inspired by the third man. Oh yeah. But that shot in particular with the, the fingers oh, yeah. through the grate is like was that shot? I mean that shot was basically in there. It, it reminds me of the shot with uh Harrison Ford like trying to grab the the ledge. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and climb all the way up on on top of the roof, and he's like, fingers are like broken, and he's like trying to, yeah, right. It's, it's totally true. that scene. This is true. Same energy. I love it. I'm so excited to cover that movie too. We Soon. have like a great line of noir films. I love it. I'm so excited. Oh, the best. Basically, anything noir ends up being like near the top of my ranking. And finally, get Hannah to watch Blade Runner. Movie. Mm-hmm. Yay! I thought we were gonna watch one of those a while ago, and then we you guys talked didn't. about it forever. So we here I at am. At least one of them. Mm-hmm. But now you'll you can watch the original for the podcast, so that's some extra motivation. And then you can watch the arguably superior sequel that happens to star Ryan Gosling. <laughs> arguably is right. <laughs> Wait, are we doing the old one or the new one for the? We're doing the pod? original for the podcast. But mm-hmm. I want to talk about Ryan. We could do both. You can always watch both, and then we can bring it up on the side because it's great. Speaking of Ryan Gosling. In case you didn't know, Blade Runner 2049 is fucking awesome. That's true. Orson Welles was giving Ryan Gosling a run for his money. That's true. That's true. I still love Ryan Gosling. I am too loyal. Both of them fuck. Yes. Ryan Gosling fucks. Orson Welles fucks. Beautiful. So when people say Wellsian, are they meaning like H.G. Wells or Orson Welles? Or does it just depend on the context? I don't know. In In this this context. They said Wellsian in reference to Orson Welles. Is there an extra E in the name? W-E-L-L-E-S. I'm pretty sure H.G. Wells is just... With an S. Oh, okay. And you've got Orson Welles. Welles. I'm pretty sure. Welles. Orson Welles. (laughs) Anyway. H.G. Yes, uh, Wells was dead. Cool. Yeah. Dang. Although he did apparently see, he saw Metropolis, right? Did we talk about that early on? I think he so, He yeah. said Metropolis was silly. Of course he did. <laughs> this is silly. I you snob. It. That's so that was passive. Silly. That's like, this is not like this sucks or this is dumb. It's like, this is silly. I feel like that happens you with children. like a silly. lot of stuff that we cover that like it's, you know, it's pretty good. It's great. And then there's always somebody who's a snob about it. And they're like con- some contemporary of it who's just like mm-hmm. doing something similar maybe. And they're like, that's all right. Like, <laughs> like I mean, it's fine. It's just, you know, I wouldn't but like. But then Hitler loves it. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we finally got into an era Damn. of films that Hitler can't say. We can't ruin them by Hitler loving them. Because Hitler Freaking was Hitler. dead by now. He's dead now. Thank 
God. So good. Well, I guess we have a few things left to say. Fuck you, Woody Allen. Fuck you, Fuck Woody you, Allen. Fuck you, Hitler. I'm going to look through my notes. <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, More oh, things. I really like that there's a character who's a fan of his books, which reminded me a lot of Knives Out because it's mm-hmm. basically the same thing. Uh, it's really funny. I don't know why. That's just like very charming. It's, it's a like, great, oh, it's like a great bit. Spook of you. I'm like, thank you. Yep. Um, um, yeah, no, we pretty much brought up everything. That Feel I bad on. for that small child. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that scene. <laughs> and then he's chasing then after him. Dies. And then he needs his ball. It's crazy. Small boy want ball. Uh, also, the writing is really fun sometimes. And there's some really good lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Uh, goodness that's awkward <laughs> was really funny <laughs> which bit was that again it's like at the beginning he's like talking to some guy the like guy who gives him the lecture opportunity or whatever oh yeah i think it's him and he's like oh yeah i'm here but like my friend is who i thought i was going to meet is apparently dead and he's like goodness that's awkward and he's like is that what you say to people who've just lost them oh yeah goodness that's awkward <laughs> Yeah, or that like, was pretty great. Uh, okay, the lecture scene was so funny oh, though. That was weird because he just like has no clue. Oh, he's so about lost. anything. And I was like, I was surprised at how like chill he was about it leading up to it. Like clearly yeah. he was just using it to get a roof over his head. Right. But then like, but he had like no anxiety. Even, like, yeah, like the day before, the guy's like, "Hey, so uh, you can be here at this time and give a talk about this, right?" And he's like, "Oh uh, yeah, sure." And I'm like, "Really? You're not gonna like worry about this?" Or well, didn't he say we're like we're talking about the the faith dilemma or something like that remember. and he's like i don't even know what that is oh oh yeah no wait no that reminds me of a different line what is it? oh yeah no uh it's when the like russian cops or whatever are taking her away and he's like i'm sorry man. it's just protocol and she's like i don't even know what protocol means and he's like i don't either uh, <laughs> well i was gonna say when they're searching her apartment and the police are like going through her letters and she's like, those are private. Yeah. He's like, it's all right. We're used to it. We're like <laughs> doctors. And she just like, looks what? so pissed. I was like, did he she just say be. that to her? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then the only other one that I wrote down was like from when he's talking with uh, Callahan, Callaway. And being like, you know, he's like, he's like, we'll get him, you know, like in the long run, we'll get him. He's like, yeah, but I won't have helped you. And he was just like, so what is it? That'll be a fine boast to make. And he's just like, oh, good. Good job. <laughs> you can catch the guy and you can be like, well, I didn't help. Like, good, on, good on you. Good on you. Which you know, just <laughs> helps, well you know, make the decision in the movie, I guess. Because mm-hmm. he's not going to do it at first. He's not going to turn in his friend. And yeah. Because yeah. he's like, oh, I don't want to do it because then she'll hate me. And I'll feel sad because I turned in my friend. And he's like, look what he did to these children. Look what he did. You bitch. You bitch. Fine. You bitch. So it ends up doing uh-huh. that thing. Anyway, that's it. That's all I, I would have liked a little Ow. bit more. Ow. That did I not look fun. I just, I just flipped his notes and it <laughs> smacked him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Flew through <laughs> the air and said, myself. no, sir. That was weird. Uh, anyway, you that's it. Flip that's all I got. Off. I would have liked a bit more gray. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Morally. Yes. yes. That's the one thing for me. So it's like, ah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty I never felt like I could really be like, oh. I understand where Wells is coming from. Right. Like you kind of get it in like a villainous sense, but it's not like the like. Yes. Yeah. Like, want, the, you know, the gray in a way came more in just his uh, choice and like how to deal with it, I guess. Yeah. Like having the information and still kind of being like, 
no, I'm just going to walk away from this situation. Right. Because, like, this is a mess. I'm, you know, I have personal attachments that I don't want to mess around with. I'm just going to get out. But then being more confronted with the reality, the black and white of it, Mm -hmm. and being like, okay, yeah, no, you're right. I got to just, I got to do this. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to do it. You're my oldest friend, but also you suck. But that also reinforces the fact that Wells didn't make it. Because if Wells did, it would be way more like morally ambiguous. Mm, Yes. I love that. I really want to rewatch Citizen Kane already. Let's rewatch Citizen Kane. Um, (laughs) Also, I love that they opened the coffin. Like, then who is? Dead body! The third man. Dead body! And it was that guy. It was the dude. It's so fun. Like, when like when he sees Harry in the street like it kind of all like makes sense like all of a sudden mm-hmm. like i just like was thinking about it and i was like oh oh i get it now the smile he's, he's his own third man yes the so smile good. harry lime gives it's true oh when the oh, light comes that. over his face and he like realizes who it is and then there's just a little smile. I was like, what? That, that's the most iconic shot in like... It's so good. ...the history of cinema. Like when somebody mentions Orson Welles in a video essay, it's always that shot of That him. one? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's a classic. So good. I'm not going to sing again. Anyway. <laughs> you're you're welcome to. I we'll digress. Just, you, can, you can close this out by just singing an entire song. I whichever one keep comes to mind. keep singing so good. And I keep singing uh, Book of Mormon today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn it off like a light. So it's just go click. It's a cool little Mormon trick. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. That's uh, talking about being gay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And other fleshly thoughts. I think I totally did just like, give myself a paper cut on my mouth. Hunter. And well done. So funny. <laughs> that paper I don't really know. did I tried to like no, fling it away you. and it just went back up and like sliced like my lip. It's wow. pretty great. It, well, good uh, job. The mm-hmm. paper that fights back. Yeah. 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 Teach me to take notes on paper. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, further watching suggestions M- me yeah me no- noir films just watch other noir movies noir movies yeah. and now i want to watch find. odd man out by carol reed yeah he was so involved in this mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty cool like other directors are kind of like here we are but someone else kind of has a lot of the artistic influence i guess or something yeah. but like this director was he he did the, bu- the bulk of it mm-hmm. i feel like i don't know for someone yeah. who didn't also write it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They put in a lot of extra work. To like yeah. change the ending is like the best move. It's right. It's what really makes the movie as good as it is. Yeah. I think he so. had some mm-hmm. good influence. And obviously being inspired by Orson Welles style. Yeah. Had a big effect on the movie. But. I must have been so cool. Like, you know, working with this actor, like having, having the person who like inspired your yeah. directorial style like in your movie it's like oh so much pressure mm-hmm. but yeah i just kind of want to because you know it's all snowy outside now and i just want to curl up with a blanket and watch noir films yeah oh i kind of want to watch the magnificent ambersons i don't really know what genre that is mm-hmm. but that's one of the orson Welles other like well-known movies let's watch that it could be good and, and then harry that. potter 7 part 2 because i gotta watch that yeah 
Harry Potter eight. <laughs> yeah, true. What am I saying? I mean, it, it's technically part two, it but like, is. I think that that is a, as a concept is stupid. I have to like, yeah, differentiate for people because I'm like, I don't know if I just say seven. They're like, which one? It's so dumb. And I'm like, Ugh, they the should not have split one. that up into two movies. It didn't need to be two movies. It's so long. Uh, actually, just make it one really long movie. Like the seventh, one three-hour movie. Oh my something. gosh, just the seventh one actually has scenes that I enjoy. Just better don't than even the sixth one. make it. Honestly, sorry, I'm just bitter because you don't like the Harry Potter movies. I love no, Harry it's Potter. not that I don't like the Harry Potter movies. It's that I don't like the seventh book. Like uh. I have a. I, when I reread them for like the trillionth time, I was like, Oh, I used to think of Harry Potter as like this perfect series. And then the Deathly Hallows just kind of reveals a lot of JK Rowling, not planning things out. It's <laughs> true. Just pretty obviously. And yeah. I think the way that she kind of changes the lore in that book is honestly like, it's not so bad that like I'm protesting it existing, but it's not, also that good and it's yeah. just it feels like kind of a lame note to end the series on when it's maybe in my opinion the worst book in the series that's a big deal yeah but also the deathly hollow scene in part one the movie the movie <laughs> version of it is is better in comparison mm -hmm. to the movies of the rest of the series hindsight in comparison to the book in comparison to the do, in, I Watch don't think it. I'm making any sense. Like, but the movie is better than the book for the seventh one, but the books are better than the other movies for the rest of them. Is that what you're saying? Kind of. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is the relation and quality between the seventh movies mm. um, compared to the quality of the rest of the movies in the series. Yeah. It is better. Gotcha. Than the quality of the seventh book in comparison to the rest of the books. God. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. That's fair anyway anyway totally a useless point to i know but i've uh, yeah i'm excited but, uh, yeah i love, no, I love I, harry potter it's a good time oh man i really i miss that series i wish i could like jk rowling but it's impossible i know i just ignore all the present information because i still enjoy uh, it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all and that's they okay are. turfiness and that's okay yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i just just because so she's psycho <laughs> so we can't enjoy her her old work. Like if you just decided this now, it's irrelevant. The series is still the series I grew up with. So shut your face. Also, rip Johnny Depp's career. Yep. Rip. Sad. Big sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, based off of the way that court case went, it's still kind of ambiguous. But like, mm. if we're being honest, they're probably just both abusive, and maybe both yeah, of their careers maybe, should yeah. be over that's, anyway. That's fair. Yeah, could be. This is fair. I haven't looked into the details of it. I need to do that. People it, so are it was with Johnny Depp. Huh? So, like on social right. media, I'm seeing people say, defend Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because of the stuff that came out with Amber Heard, it's definitely more definitive that at the very least, Amber Heard was physically abusive. It's a little bit more ambiguous as to whether or not Johnny Depp was. But also, when it comes down to it, he wasn't great in other ways that we do know about. Right. But either way, that right. court case was a libel case. It wasn't, it wasn't a conviction of him doing said thing. It was just him not having grounds to stand on for suing for defamation. I guess which was what was happening. I guess yeah. essentially. So, um, so it's still it. It's not like anything specifically was proven in a court of law. It just could be 
potentially useful for further cases. And this is very relevant for yes, the, the, when definitely. this podcast very. releases, because, you know, of course, we record them same day. You know, on uh, what time will this be? Like December 30th or something? It is yeah. December 30th. What are you saying? Wow. Look at yeah, the calendar. We, yeah, because we do this podcast live. Happy New oh my Year, gosh. everyone. Hi, <laughs> that reminds me. I played this game uh, that made me think of that joke that we made. Um, it's on Steam, and I saw Dan uh, reviewed it, and it's like his pinned review on his Steam page. What up, Dan? Mm-hmm. And it has a really like obnoxious title. Um, Uncle of the Pod? Dr. Lingascar. Is that what it is? No, that might be making some. What is happening? Hold on. (laughs) I want to figure this out. I want to say it because it this isn't even going to be like worth it. Yes, it is. Ooh, that looks rad. Wait, do you need to find it? I'm I'm pulling it up. While you're finding it, I'll just say you can. Oh, it's a. It's (laughs) called Doctor Langeskov. Yeah, that one. The tiger and the terribly cursed emerald. Mm -hmm. Um, and the joke of the game. It's like a really really short game, but like. The joke of it is that you're trying to play the game. That's like a heist game, but it has to be run live by like people behind the scenes, like making all of the events of the game and stuff work correctly so that the player has a fun experience. Huh? And I was like, oh, it's like we joked about like how we have to perform the podcast live every time someone listens to it. It's so exhausting. But that's the premise, except yeah. as a video game. <laughs> It is what but it like is. The more episodes we release and the more listeners we have, it just right. gets basically impossible at this yeah, point. Yeah, especially because we're so famous. Yeah. We're like millions of followers I'm on Instagram. I'm scared for when we get like, yeah, when yeah. we get even bigger. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Almost, yeah. almost about to pass uh, 2 million on Instagram. Oh, man. 2 million that followers. I know. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You did just get followed by Selena Gomez. So that's I about did. to go yeah. up. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Johnny Depp. But uh, <laughs> Johnny Depp has entered your DMs. He's oh. all, "What up? Can I please be on your podcast?" I was like, "I don't know. I'll see if I can fit you in. No promises, Johnny." He's a really big Blade Runner fan, so I yeah, think that's probably the episode he'd want to. Well, do. Ryan Gosling will for sure be on the Blade Runner episode with yeah, us. Yeah, true. he's begging. To get point, on honestly, here. we should just we should just make that one the blowout. You know, like I also know yes. uh, John Favreau, and he's pretty into that movie too. Totally. So, so yeah, uh, you know, let's just uh, let's just get everyone on. No, the best episode. Follow our Instagram at yeah. Movie Overload Pod and on Twitter at Movie Overload underscore because Twitter has stupid username rules and uh, Movie Overload dot com dot com. Wait, I was like, is there a pod? pod. <laughs> it is pod. Okay. Yeah. I doubted myself. And then what is it? Patreon dot com slash Movie Overload. I think. Yep. All the and, things. And then, uh, then I have to cut to the boy. That already used all of his lines, I think. I could use the one so. that I put in my letterboxed review. Do oh, it. crap. I haven't said that one yet. Can I say it? Give me the lead in. <laughs> Somebody. You and as we say here at the end of every movie overload podcast. Uh, we should have dug deeper than a grave. Well done, Hunter. I don't know. That was kind of fun. Well done. I like Hunter's lines like I like my steak. Well done. Or non-existent. Raw. (laughs) Half form? (laughs) All of the above. It would have worked better if it was a burger rather than a steak. For the half-formed line. I don't think I get to control how my steak is 
Stop oh. throwing things. Stop making everything God. hard for me. Okay. Gosh, this is going to be such a bitch to edit. <laughs> it's not as bad as last week. <laughs> it's true. I wasn't bumping my microphone every five seconds. I wasn't dying either. Dying on the floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was, was a good time. It was very relaxing. It was okay. <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> we did it. See ya, people. Bye. Bye.